Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Going for Two podcast, an episode that is a little maybe impromptu, but unlike the tuna salad sandwich at Subway, what we're serving here is 100% real. Isn't that right, Ben? Yeah, I think so. We haven't had a DNA tested, but I'm pretty sure it is 100% real, or at least like more real than the tuna is at Subway. But just for just for our listeners, I, I don't know if uh, Logan's... Um, he, okay with me sharing this so i'm gonna go ahead and share anyways because that's always fun but logan texted me and said can we record tonight because i've got some i've got something on my mind i want to so this is like a therapy slash anger episode for logan just to set you listeners up um so logan's gonna bring the heat later in the episode so get get ready for that um logan i know it's probably a therapy session i will bill you later for this (laughs) um but I'm excited that that you're excited about something that sometimes people aren't super excited about. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I said, I think my phrasing was, I've got a rant that's bubbling up inside of me. <laughs> and I feel like it's been there for about six years. And last night's epic game against uh, with the Suns against the Clippers really brought it to the surface. And I feel like now is the time to get it out in the 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 Twitterverse in the interwebs, you know, all out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a fantastic game. Um, you know, I think probably most of the listeners right now have seen the highlights of the game. Um, if you didn't watch the game, I would encourage you to try to find like the last two minutes because if you just mm-hmm. caught the highlights on SportsCenter, you probably still didn't catch all the highlights, let like from the last two minutes. I mean. There was so much, so much back and forth. There was missed free throws. There was, uh, there were multiple like uh, shots within the last like forty five seconds to take the lead, um, and then obviously that last, uh, the Valley Alley with uh, Aiton with point nine seconds left was tremendous. And then even after that, there was still like Paul George. He didn't get the shot off, but he was still close to getting off a game winning shot. So like even after that, there was still more. Um, so just a tremendous game all around. And, um, you know, these playoffs have, have definitely been, that was a good microcosm of what the playoffs have been so far, because mm-hmm. it really has been such an entertaining, um, postseason when if in you, the NBA this far, if you do watch the final mi- minutes of that game, just have your fast forward ready for when they're trying to get the right 10 Clippers or right five Clippers <laughs> on guess. the court for the last play. Like I, what was so difficult about that? Yeah, that was that was hard. Um, and then you had uh, who, who's the is it Jeff? It's not Jeff Van Gundy. It's his brother, right, or something like that. No, yeah, the, it is Jeff. Jeff. It is Jeff. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he was he was having a, a fit about that um, <laughs> about the play about the getting the right ten players. He kept saying it. I mean, it was like a very it was a good uh, point to make on his behalf, but he was. <laughs> He was, he was quite irate right. about that. He was. Yeah. He was. So Ben, how much uh, in the with the playoffs, NBA playoffs going on as a whole? How much have you watched? What have you been intrigued by? Well, um, I've watched. I've I've been definitely keeping up with it. I haven't watched um, as many games as probably most people. Um, in fact, one last night was one of the first games that I sat down and watched uh, in the playoffs. But I have been keeping up with scores and highlights and and i have seen a few of the games beforehand um which i'm very i'm really glad that i intentionally watched last night's game um but you know i've been following through 
Um, and it has been, as I said, a really good playoff series. Um, really was following the um, Nets Bucks uh, series very closely. Um, and when uh, the Bucks won Game Seven in that, it reminded me of a um, of, of a bet that you and I made at one point on the podcast of where we had to either take either the the Lakers or the Nets making the finals or mm-hmm. not either of them making the finals. And I said I thought there it was better odds that the Lakers or the Nets would one of them would be in the finals than one of them uh, not in the finals. And I think you took the opposite. So I did. Kudos, kudos to you for for figuring that out. Um, I will say the NBA playoffs have been showing time in and time again the best ability is availability, mm-hmm. and you see that with the Clippers who have. Um, who played the Suns very close last night. They were missing Kawhi. Obviously, the Suns were missing Chris Paul, but I think Kawhi is a better player than Chris Paul right now, so right. that was a big deal missing them. Um, and then you had uh, Kyrie injured for that Nets series. That was a huge blow for them. Um, and then you have you know some other superstars in the playoffs as well that have been injured. So, um, you know, the best, the best ability – is availability and that's one of the biggest takeaways from the playoffs that I think you know we continuously need to focus on. No doubt. This this is a historic year as far as all-star injuries. Um but it's also that that highlights a little bit of the discussion that we we had about super teams. When you build a super team, you're not looking at depth you're looking at a very, very top-heavy roster. Yep. And you're also typically looking at a, uh, a heavy veteran team, uh, which is going to lend itself to more injuries. Well, that's one of the reasons LeBron left the Heat, I think, because he saw the writing on the wall with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch Bosch, and Shane Battier and Ray Allen. Like There wasn't much gas left in that tank when he got out of town. So... That's that's what you you get what you pay for and yeah. and a lot of times what you pay for with the Nets is a crew that can walk on the court and score 140 points with their eyes closed but you also get a crew where Kyrie may um, be protesting social injustice uh, in Mars and James Harden may have a bad hamstring because he you know ate too many donuts you know it's just uh they they gambled and and this is what they got this year mm-hmm. yeah and you know and i think you make a really good point about just that trade-off and, and i don't know if there are any um i mean i want to call any of the teams left super teams i mean the closest thing would be uh the clippers with Kawhi and paul george but paul george has not been playing particularly well in the playoffs um he has been as of late but not before that and then i mean Kawhi's hurt so i wouldn't say that they're a super team right now uh and that's that's very unlike the last 10 years when there's been super teams left and right deep into the playoffs um it's just a strange thing and you know like you're seeing a lot of these super team type players are getting older um and i think that's what is causing the the lack of um uh availability from 
these these veteran super team guys like the LeBrons and the KDs and the Kyries and mm-hmm. um, you know those those folks that generally make up these super teams. But it's exciting to see these younger guys, the Trey Youngs, the Devin Bookers, the uh, the Aitons, um playing really well in the playoffs, and you know, and the Jason Tatum's who are kind of the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's been really exciting with that, and you know, and I would lump in there. Um, you know, he's not as young as those guys, but, um, you know, Giannis is, it's a very, I think it's a really, really, really important, um, postseason for Giannis because right now he's on the precipice of being put in with the elite of the elite for the NBA players. You know, to me, I probably, you know, I know he's won, um, MVPs, multiple MVPs. Um, he's made it to the championship, but, you know, to me, I still have him sort of on the one B tier um, and not, mm-hmm. not on the tier of like the Kevin Durant and the LeBron James and the Steph Curry's. Um, I have him a little, little removed. Um, and to me, that's generally because, um, well, A is free throw shooting. It's, that's, it's not where it needs to be. And then B, you know, he, they've yet to win a championship. And so, right. You know, they've had opportunities to win championships, um, especially against a, a Heat team last year that, um, you know, I mean, it, it was a very good team, but it wasn't, you know, they, uh, you know, where they were at the fifth, sixth seed in the East. And so I think that, you know, if there was any time to beat a team in a championship, it would have been against Jimmy Butler in the Heat last year. But, um, you know, and so I think if Giannis loses again in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Hawks or if he makes it to the West and or to the to the championship and he loses to the West, you know, that's that's gonna say a lot. I think there are multiple multiple players in the NBA that are really, really, really good, but they just they haven't won. Um they they don't have that like clutch ice in their veins uh mentality. Um I haven't seen that from Giannis yet. Um and until I see that, until I see you know, him demand the ball at the last second until I see him want to, you know, go to the line and drain those free throws until I see him, you know, really, really pushing himself to um, be in that clutch position and be the go-to guy and win the championship. Until I see that, he's going to still remain in that 1B tier of still phenomenal players, but not in the conversation of, you know, the, some of the greatest players of all time. Right. And there's no shame in losing to one of those 1A players, right? Right. But left in these playoffs, unless he faces a healthy Kawhi Leonard in the finals, there's none left. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, he need, I mean, and that's the thing. I think he. there's a lot of players who get on the precipice of where Giannis is, but they're not able to get over the hump. And I think this last year was a really good chance for him to capitalize. Uh, and, and again, I mean, he gets this year. I mean, the teams left on the playoffs are really good and they're talented, but they're, you know, there have been more talented teams in the past and this far deep in the playoffs. And so if there's any time for the Bucks to win a championship, it was last year. If there's any second time for the Bucks to win a championship, it's this year. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens to Giannis. Yeah, the Bucks are definitely uh... – a better team this year with the addition of Drew Holiday and yep. PJ P. Tucker was yep. crucial in in beating the Nets. Um, but I want to what? Who did you say you mentioned in that one A tier? LeBron James, Steph Curry, and who else? And Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, where would you put Luca? Would he be right on par or right below Giannis there? He'd probably be a, maybe a little bit below Giannis. Not necessarily because I think I, I would say maybe he'd still in, he'd be in the one, not not tier two, but maybe tier one C, depending on how far mm. down the alphabet we can go. And that's not a knock against him. That's just a, you know, I think he, you know, he hasn't been in any championships. He hasn't won MVP quite yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't won a playoff series. Yeah, he's a little younger than Giannis as well too. So, uh, you know, when when Giannis was, Luca is better than Giannis was at Giannis or at Luca's age. If that oh, makes right. sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those players that I could see being on a. Um, being on like where Giannis is right now, maybe in three or four or five years, uh, having won multiple MVPs, and then people wondering when, if he's going to win a championship. But I think the difference with Luca is that he wants the ball. He can knock down those clutch shots. He can knock down those free throws. He's got like the killer mentality. Giannis, I'm not sure if he has that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would that's yet to be determined and. Um, that could be determined in the next month or so. Right. I'll be honest, coming away from the Nets Bucks series, I was more impressed with Kevin Durant than I was with Giannis, even though the Bucks won the series. It that felt like more of a team win. And after game five, after Kevin Durant's what was it, forty nine point triple double? Yep. I, I, I looked at that and I said, what, what is a basketball team supposed to do? What is any player supposed to do against that? And, you know, I guess he wasn't able to replicate it, but it wasn't – you also didn't see the, the Jordan mentality or the Kobe mentality or even at times the LeBron mentality of, you know what, I'm going to step up and take Kevin Durant out of this game. You right. never really saw that from Giannis. Um so that, to me, it spoke highly of the Bucks as a team um, in their ability to to win that pull that series out in seven games and win Game Seven in Brooklyn. Um, but coming away from that series, I, I still think Kevin Durant was clearly the best player on the floor and showed one of the best performances in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I agree with you. I mean coming out of that series, you definitely are thinking more about Katie than you are about Giannis. Um, and, uh, you know, I was very, very surprised that the Bucks ended up pulling out that game seven. Um, but, you know, and I mean, that's like, like I'm saying, it's not a knock against Giannis. He's a great player, but I just feel like there's still more to be desired from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he's had a very, uh, high slope and trajectory in that like he came into the league in his first couple of years, you know, he wasn't great. And then all of a sudden he like started really refining his skills, getting a jump shot, things like that. Uh, and you know, won multiple MVPs. Um, and so if he continues that trajectory, then he could be, you know, one of the greatest of all time, but it's just, if he continues that trajectory. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be difficult for him until he gets a little bit better at free throw shooting and a little bit better at, um, like you're saying, uh, guarding the perimeter um, and kind of playing more of a exterior ball than than just all that interior ball. So oh, yeah. we'll see. We will see. 
So, Ben, I don't know what your take was, but when I watched the Suns-Clippers game last night, my biggest takeaway was lazy officiating. Uh And I'll tell you what I mean by that. And I've, I've thought this wasn't something that just came to me last night. I've really thought this for a long time. How many times have you seen a player reach in and foul another player and then the ball goes out of bounds and they don't call a foul? What they do is they just say they give the ball to the player that was fouled. Like, so if, if I foul you, but it's just kind of ticky-tacky and then you lose the ball out of bounds – Regardless of who it was off, off out on, they're going to give the ball to you because I really and truly fouled you, right? How many times have you seen that? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I see it countless times in every game. I'm, mm-hmm. I swear, if I actually sat down and counted, I guarantee you there's a dozen times that it happens in every NBA game mm-hmm. where a foul is not called a foul. It's just the ball is awarded to the other team as if it was not out on them. Um, sometimes it really wasn't, but – that's that's why we get to the situation where last night, with about nine seconds left in the game, Devin Booker is dribbling the ball, and Patrick Beverly reaches in, makes contact with Devin Booker's body, and hits the ball, causing the ball to go out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Initially, the call on the court is a lazy call. It is Phoenix ball. So right. Patrick Beverly being smart and super annoying if you're not a fan of the Clippers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, I love Patrick Beverly when he's on a team I'm rooting for, and right. you can't stand him when, you, when you're not rooting for his team. Yep. So he's cunning, he is basketball smart, he is defensively savvy, and he is an instigator. He asked the official to replay the out-of-bounds call because they can do that now in the final two minutes of the game. So they replay it, and what they find is that the ball was hit by Patrick Beverly, but last touched by Devin Booker because the ball was still in his on his hand when Patrick Beverly's hand removed from the ball. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Van Gundy said the spirit of the rule is that this is out on Patrick Beverly because he forced the ball to go out. But that's not the letter of the law, right? The letter of the law says the last person that touches it, it's out on them. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time when these calls are made in that fashion, they're made because it really should have been a foul on the defender. So that is my rant here. This is lazy officiating. This is not wanting to uh, slow the game down with a bunch of foul calls and put teams in penalty earlier in the game. It's I don't know if it's laziness of, of that or even to a larger degree of not wanting to walk over and report the number to the scorer's table but it's just an easier call to make that that doesn't really deserve a foul, but you deserve the ball back. That's not how the rules are written. You can't do that and officiate like we are today with instant replay. And that's really just highlighting the issue that you should just call the, what should be called. And if it's a foul, it's a foul. And if it's not, and it's a good defensive play, then it's a good defensive play. And it should always be the defensive player's ball if the offensive player leaves their hand on it. In this case last night, I think if you watch, you're going to see that contact is made uh, with the body of Devin Booker. The arm reaches across Devin Booker's body 
to tap that ball. Uh, and yes, it's out on Devin Booker. So in the review, the official made the re- correct call. On the court, that's lazy officiating. Okay. So I hear you're saying. So so let me see if I'm understanding correctly. Are you talking about just within the within the last two minutes of the game? Or are you talking about the entirety of the game? I'm talking about the entirety of the game. That the reason that call was made is because that's how the entire game is officiated. When when those plays happen and and it's a it's a very minor contact and the ball ends up going out of bounds, they don't call the foul when they should. And you know, you can you can say whether or not if you don't want that called then then don't call those fouls at all, but then you always have to give the ball to the team who actually didn't touch it last. And that's not what happens when, when there's contact made on a, on a loose ball or on a, um, like a reach in or something like that. And the ball ends up out of bounds. 90% of the time, a foul is not called and they just award the ball to the team that should have had the foul called in their favor. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. So I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate necessarily, um, I'm more just taking a neutral stance because I don't think that's something that I've necessarily observed. I don't know if it's something that I, you know, necessarily just w- would not observe if I was watching for it. It's not something that I've um, seen. I will mm-hmm. look for that now that you're, you're mentioning it. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um that is a so I will say you know I definitely I think I agree with you um, if I'm understanding correctly that the referee made the right call upon further review. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely disagreed with Jeff Van Gundy who was saying you have to call it by the, the spirit, spirit of the law because that that I mean you have to take out the I, it's not always going to be perfect and you can't make a rule based on exceptions and so mm-hmm. if you if you refereed by the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law that opens up a lot more objectivity than um or subjectivity than objectivity and that's you know you never want to do that in refereeing and so i definitely understand what he was saying but i think you know if that's the case then what you need to do is that the rules committee needs to reevaluate if the letter of the law and the spirit of law aren't matching up in the off season you know, so that's not something that needs to be litigated right then and there. Um, so I, I think I agree with you. Disagree with Jeff Van Gundy. Um, Jeff did have a good point Ed, that the reason he didn't like the reversal there, because it was initially called Phoenix ball and okay. then it was reversed to be Clippers ball. The reason he didn't like the reversal was because the entire rest of the game is not officiated that way. And so any other time that play is not reviewed any other time that ball still goes to Phoenix. And my point is the reason that ball goes to Phoenix is because there should have been a foul called. That's that's my point of view. I see. I guess. So for me, I think I don't, so I'm not sure if I'm convinced that it's necessarily lazy officiating or just that the further review clarifies things. Right. And so what Jeff and Gundy was saying was that, you know, it's not fair that you can only have this review within the last two minutes because that's it's not standardized throughout the game. I would argue that it is fair because both sides are abiding by that rule. And then I would also argue that um, it's not – I don't think that – I'm not convinced that the refs are, are just being lazy 
until they have to review it, I think they just might be missing the calls. And once they review it under those two minutes, things get clarified, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think maybe an easier fix, because I don't believe that the NBA is going to change the culture of how they're refereeing the games. Mm -hmm. Cause that's, that's what I have an issue with. And, uh, I think if you watch with, with that in mind that you'll see it. Um, I know I've seen it and it, it bothers me, but I know like it's not something I've heard other people complain about. So I'm, I'm not surprised that it's not something that just pops out, but um, an easier fix maybe is to allow a foul to be called in replay. If there is one discovered on replay, because what they, gotcha. yeah. what they couldn't do in that aspect was, was go back and say, Oh yes, it was out on Devin Booker, but there was a foul before. Right. I, I, Cause I believe that's what they would have done. The, um, I don't think it's as much as a spirit of the rule thing because, but that's just me. I don't really um, adhere to that view of any rules. Yeah. I, I think it was a, I don't want to call this a foul because that would really change the flow of this game. I just want to give them the ball back. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, I think that that was kind of one of my underlying questions as well is if they can actually review if it was a foul or not, which, you know, is a, is a different, um, which would, which would be a different process altogether for right. last I'm, night. I believe you know, if there was a foul called that they could have reviewed it, but not gotcha. having a foul call, they were reviewing the out of bounds play. It's like, just right. like in the NFL, if they're reviewing right. one thing, they really can't rule on another. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, that's what I was um, wondering if it paralleled, but I will, I will 100% agree with you. I don't know if there's, I don't know if I'm convinced there's lazy refereeing in that aspect, but I am 100% convinced with you that there's very lazy refereeing throughout the NBA in general. Although I don't know who's um, basically, I don't know who is commanding it. So mm-hmm. I mean, you watch any game with James Harden or Giannis. The travels. And oh yeah, dribbles. they're yeah. traveling. They're care. I mean, you watch James Harden with a step back. He's going to step back two or three times. Definitely a travel. You watch Giannis bring the ball down the court. He like brings it up above his head, palms it, mm-hmm. brings it back. It's he's carrying all day, and so. You know, and I mean, that happens not just with those two players, but all the time in the NBA. And so, I mean, people travel like when they're um, with their pivot foots all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's and so, you know, I don't know if it's the refs just saying if we called every single one, it would slow the game down. Or I don't know if it's the rules committee or, you know, um, the commissioner saying, let's let's let some of those go because, you know, it, it makes for good basketball. I don't know who's commanding it. But I definitely agree that there's, you know, tons and tons of very obvious um, rules that are being um, broken, you know, at every single right. game, multiple, multiple, multiple times that referees, I'm sure they see it, but they're, they are loading and go for some reason or another. Yep. And the key, I think, is consistency, right? Some things bother other people more than others. You know, the, the travel, the carries that that bothers some people and other people don't care. Uh, and for me, it's it's as if it's called consistently, then it should be fair, right? And that's what highlights last night's play is that that play happened multiple times throughout the game and was called differently every time except for that one because it was under that two minutes and got reviewed. And yeah, so that's that's my rant of the day. I 
I feel better now that I've gotten it out. <laughs> Good. I'll, I'll feel even, even better if Ben, you, or any of our other listeners uh, message me over the next few weeks of the playoffs and say, Hey, I watched for that. And I saw it. Yeah. And, you know, that, that'll, that'll make me feel validated, you know, that boost my self-esteem, but nice. Okay. Um, definitely. I will let you know if I do, even if I don't just to boost your self-esteem. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. That's what, that's why we, I, I stay in touch then. Like, yeah, exactly. I always depend on that. Just to, that's the only reason. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's great. I'm glad you got that off your chest, Logan. Um, I will definitely keep a lookout for that as we watch the rest of these awesome playoffs. Um, listeners, I hope you are enjoying the playoffs as well. Reminder, you can always let us know what you think about the playoffs, about this episode. You can always let us know if you see uh, a call um, that you think should have been called but wasn't called. Um, you can let us know on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can email us. Um, you can leave us a voice message on our uh, via anchor, whatever you want to do. Let us know what you think of the playoffs. Um, and we will definitely uh, let you guys know when and if we see that rule being broken. And if um, you think I am dead wrong, come at me with that because this gets me fired up and I will gladly debate you on it. So come at me. I'm, I'm ready for that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like the intensity that you're bringing, much like the intensity that Suns brought to the Clippers and vice versa last night. So enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Logan, glad you're feeling better. And until next time. And just like my brother said, if you order the tuna at Subway, you get what you pay for. <laughs> Great note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, listeners. Enjoy your Subway tuna sandwich.